1: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: We're giving away Washington Auto Show tickets at 4 o'clock all week long on Grant and Danny. Welcome back. You're locked into the fan. It is time for someone to win those tickets right now. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You and three friends are going to the Auto Show. It's at the D.C. Convention Center. Started on the 20th, goes to the 29th. Buy your tickets now, WashingtonAutoShow.com. You can see the newest show features and the best the industry has to offer. Latest models, electric vehicle exhibit, indoor-outdoor ride and drives, so much more. Enjoy yourself, Washington Auto Show. We got your tickets all year long, all week long, I should say, for this year's auto show on Grant and Danny. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. Caps on deck, wizards in the hole. We start you off on the gridiron. Nate Davis is with us, USA Today Sports. Nate, why don't we go in order of the four games this weekend. Jags gave the Chiefs a bit of a scare late, turned the ball over, cost themselves dearly. What would you make of a 27-20 Kansas City win at home?
3: Survive in advance. Uh, I mean, you know, the Chiefs obviously were, were a little limited with, with Mahomes' injury, and he didn't look as good uh, in, in the second half. But I mean, you know, they still they still move the ball a little bit, and I, I don't know. I just never feel like that game was was seriously in doubt. I mean, obviously the two turnovers on three plays uh, killed killed Jacksonville, but it, it reminded me of the Cleveland game two years ago where Chad Henney came into. I mean, they they were able to do what they needed to do, and and here they are back back where they are every year. Eagles
4: reminded us that they're really good uh, when the lights are on. They're you know still maybe the best team in the NFL. They destroyed the Giants. Were you surprised that one wasn't more competitive, Nate? Or is this kind of what you expected?
3: No, Danny. I, I stupidly picked the Giants to win that game. You know, I thought that the Eagles would be. I mean, and it wasn't just Jalen Hurts. I mean, they had so many guys coming back. Uh, from from injuries, you know, as you guys know, they hadn't played well in the last month. But um, that, that's the game I was up. I, I, I was up in attendance at, and, and all those guys that were that were hurt: Josh Sweat, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, Dallas Goddard, Lane Johnson. They, they all played great. They looked fresh. Um, and, and you know, I think I think this team that we maybe kind of, you know, at least, least speaking for myself, thought maybe they ended up peaky too early off a 13-1 start, and, and, and we're, were kind of ripe for an upset. Um, you know, they're, they're going to give the 49ers all they can handle on, on Sunday. It should be a fun one to watch.
2: Two-and-a-half-point favorites at home right now uh, as we look ahead to the championship round on Sunday. Nate Davis is with us on Grant and Danny. How about game three of four, the early game on Sunday? The Bengals just obliterated the Bills. I don't know how many people saw this domination coming. Uh, so much for the Cincinnati offensive line being down three starters being a problem. They were great.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say I picked that one right. I, I think I was in the minority picking the Bengals on that one. But, I mean, to me, to me they ended the regular season as the top team um, in, in the league. Um, that was, of course, kind of before all, all the offensive line issues were apparent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they out-physicaled the Bills uh, in, in their building. You know, first time the Bills have walked a playoff game there in, in 26 years. Uh, and I think, you know, a guy like Jackson Carman, who filled in the left tackle, that's actually the position he played at college uh, at Clemson. You know, the Bengals tried to play him at guard. Last year, and he really looked great and comfortable in that spot. And yeah, you know, I think I think this team is really kind of fueled by the whole way that you know they're they're part of the Demar Hamlin thing what was uh, was handled. And um, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow loves taking these guys and winning on the road. And uh they're going to be a real real tough customer you know once again for the Chiefs um particularly Patrick Mahomes is 70 percent you know which which may be optimistic we'll see so I've got a
4: Cowboys question here which I think inherently does a disservice to a really good 49ers team that
3: that played
4: well and deserves to be the NFC title game but it's hard not to escape how bad Dak was and how it just felt like the game got away from Mike McCarthy a little bit what are your thoughts
3: yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean I mean you know given how well Dak played against Tampa, I mean it felt like definitely a, a regression to what we've seen so so frequently towards the end of the season, but uh they are they're, they're going to have to do some retooling with him. I mean, it's just the, the, you wonder what he's looking at with a lot of these throws um when he, when he puts the ball in 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 the danger. Uh, obviously losing Tony Pollard, I I think really kind of messed with with their um, their, their game plan. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think coming off, off the game of Tampa, you, you, you would have thought that, you know, that they, they would give the, you know, they, they would show out at least better offensively uh, than they did. You know, it sounds like they're not going to really kind of do their, their post more press conference till Thursday. So it seems like they're working through a lot of things in, in star right now, but, but pretty disappointing effort there.
2: 49ers win despite averaging only five yards per play on their 63 plays and Brock Purdy came back to the pack a little bit here. I mean, after every week throwing two or more touchdowns, this was a game where I described it earlier as, you know, Brock Purdy was there too. Like, he was just kind of a guy at quarterback. And they were great defensively, and that was the biggest reason why they won. I mean, what did we learn about San Fran, do you think, on Sunday?
3: I I don't know that we learned that much, Grant. I mean, I think you, you really summed it up. You know, pretty nicely. I mean, we've all kind of been infatuated with, with Brock Purdy stepping in and, and going seven zero as the starter. Now, this was the first game where he didn't have, you know, a touchdown pass. I thought the Cowboys defended some of those, you know, delayed screen passes that they have, and that was, that was certainly the best defense he's faced. Um, you know, his his, you know, like I said, seven game stint as a starter. But I, I think we also kind of tend to lose sight of the fact that this is a team that they're really the, the defense is its calling card. Uh, you know, number one in the league. Uh, in so many categories, fewest points, fewest yards, um, and I think that that's really going to be the the determining factor of, of how far uh, this club gets. And Brock furdy has got so much, you know, so many great weapons around him. I mean, we we've seen it, but um, you know, this this is designed to be a team that isn't reliant on the quarterback. Um, and you know, if he wins this next game, he'll be the first rookie to ever start start a Super Bowl. So you know, we're kind of headed, possibly headed for uncharted territory here. But uh, I think you know they're they're a you, you said a Grant. I mean, it's a two-and-a-half-point spread, I guess. It's basically even since the Eagles are the home game. But, I mean, I think they stand a very good chance, the Horton Niners, uh, of making it to Arizona. Nate, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great week.
4: Thanks, guys. We'll see you, brother. Hit that uh, Capitol Center, please. Buddy Matt Weirich, NBC Sports, Washington covers those Capitals. Matt, I'm using the Michael Scott cringe gif here uh, for the last time out against the Vegas Golden Knights. They cannot win there in the regular season.
0: Yeah, nothing, nothing really went right for that team. Fell behind early. Darcy Kemper just didn't look like he was on top of his game. The offense was missing. Uh, of course, Alex Ovechkin, but a lot of bad turnovers. Really four uh, in the defensive zone that was directly resulted in goals. Just an all-around bad night for the Caps. One that they're definitely looking to put them behind them as they host the Avalanche tomorrow.
2: What was going on with Ovechkin? Why didn't he play?
0: Well, they originally announced it as maintenance as to why he was missing uh, morning skate that day, but Peter Laviolette came out and said he would be a game time decision. Lower body injury, so it's, it's something that I think kind of cropped up. And is, is there still monitoring as days goes on? He was uh, reportedly at morning skate this morning, but rotating in with a few guys. So his status for tomorrow is definitely still up in the air at this point.
4: They've dropped six of 10. It's not like a calamitous collapse. If I can think of another C word, I would use it right there. Um, it's not like the, the sky is falling, but they ha- definitely not playing as well as they were when they were a buzzsaw, maybe one of the best teams in the NHL. What's been different here lately, Matt?
0: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't call it a catastrophe to stay with the C theme there. Mailed but, uh, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's been an up and down outing here. I think we've had, seen Kemper, you know, struggle a little bit. He's had a couple of four goal, five goal outings here as of late but when he is on he's been playing really well so i think that's been important it's just him kind of being that that guy you know being stable they've they've struggled offensively they've been mixing up a lot of different combinations different guys in and out of the lineup it just doesn't seem like they've been able to find that flow that was really working so well for them they were having it on the power play they had it on the five on five five everything seemed to be clicking it and, and now i think they're just kind of at that ebbs and flow stage of the season where they're starting to figure things out again with these two guys Back in the lineup. So it's, it's something where I think, you know, they've got a lot of time to figure it out. But where they are on the schedule right now, you know, Avalanche, Penguins, Maple Leafs coming up, it's definitely a crucial point.
2: Matt Wyrick, NBC com. I'm a big Anthony Mantha guy. I'll just tell you that, go on record before I ask this question. I've been really disappointed lately. And obviously, I'm not alone. I mean, he's getting parked a lot by this coaching staff. What is going on with just what he's providing or not providing and the fact that now he's the odd man out more often than anybody else. and How do they get him going again?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple of factors that go into it. I think they want him to be a more physical player to use his size up along the boards, and that really hasn't been the type of player that he's been in Washington, and, and that's something that the coaching staff has emphasized at, at multiple points. But, you know, it, it's interesting. You'll, you'll see a Manta game where he'll go out there and you'll you'll say, like, you know, I think he actually played pretty well. But you will look at the score sheet at the end, no goals. And, and that just seems to be, you know, the kind of the theme with him is even when he does have a good game, he doesn't seem to be getting the consistent scoring, the finishing plays uh, that a score of his caliber is supposed to have. So I think there are a couple of fronts that have led to, to this situation with Manta. It's one that they're trying to work out with him. He was obviously in the lineup the other night, uh, but certainly right now, he's trying to earn his way back in the rotation and the good graces of the coaching staff. Any update on John Carlson? Not at the moment. It's still a long-term injury, out indefinitely, uh, something where he's still just healing up. So uh, definitely uh, something that the Capitals would love to have him back. Uh, But with the salary cap situation, I think when he does come back is going to be really important concerning the trade deadline any potential moves they want to make. Carlson's availability is going to be huge for that.
2: All right, let's look ahead. Avalanche tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, and then home against the Penguins Thursday night for a 7 o'clock start. Just give us some thoughts on Colorado, Pittsburgh, and what lies ahead here.
0: Yeah, Colorado's playing really well. Winners of five straight. Uh, They got off to a bit of a a poor start, at least by defending champion standards. Uh, But they had a lot of injuries, and they finally started to get some of those guys back. So they are rolling right now. Just came back off of a road trip. Uh, So they'll be back at home. Darcy Kemper's first game back in Colorado since winning the Stanley Cup. So certainly... Uh, some festivities there for sure. And then Pittsburgh is, has been you know, hovering kind of behind the Capitals in the standings here uh, for the last couple of weeks. They're only two points back uh, and could be as tied uh, when they do play later this week, depending on how they play against Florida and, of course, the Capitals play against the Avalanche. So that could be a very pivotal game for this team. Uh, considering the standings, you do not want to be in that second wildcard spot and have to face the Bruins uh, come playoff time. And, and it may come down to the Cavs and the Penguins, which is an interesting place considering they've kind of been both locks for the playoffs in recent years. And now they both are, you know, fighting for a spot, fighting for their lives as the stretch goes on. Matt, thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I was appreciate it, dude. Hit that
4: wizard sounder, dares. Ava Wallace, Washington Post covers those Wizards. Ava, how did we get here that they would trade Rui Hachimura for a bag of Future Donuts?
5: Yeah, well, um, we talked to Rui on Saturday after his 30-point performance, and he kind of indicated that he had a little bit to do with that. We asked him if he had requested a trade, if he had asked for a trade, and he said no comment and kind of you know, looked around, gave us a side eye, gave us a smile, seemed to be, to be mm. indicated something, certainly, even if he said he didn't want to say. So I think that was kind of the origin of that thing, and, and it's not surprising considering that they didn't come to an agreement on a rookie extension earlier this fall, and, and there have been some kind of signals throughout the year.
2: What didn't he like here? Why did he want out? I mean, the contract they weren't why why would they pay him if they're also going to pay Kuzma? I, I don't get it.
5: Yeah, um yeah, his his contract compared to what I think Kyle Kuzma is uh, going to demand on the free uh, agency market this summer is certainly a lot lower, but uh he talked to us Saturday and he said, you know, um, we've got a lot of great pieces here, but somehow, some way, someone's got to put them together. And it sounded like he was kind of frustrated with waiting for that to happen. This was a guy who spent the first two years of his career in Washington as a starter, and had come in after taking a, a, a half year off for, for uh, personal reasons last year. That the team totally supported him through, and but came back and was coming back off the bench in a role under Wes Hill Jr. So, don't know if he wasn't happy with how he was being used after being a starter. Um, He had seemed to be making a lot of progress on offense with his three-point shot. Certainly his defense still has kind of always been a soft spot for him. But he told us just, I want to go somewhere that, that likes my game. I want to go somewhere that appreciates me as a basketball player is what he told us.
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, he's the same finished product that he was when he first came into the league. The numbers kind of support that. We get there in different ways, as you mentioned, with some catch and shoot at certain times. But overall, you know, you're talking about a guy that, if he plays a decent number of minutes, is 13 and five, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's also not maybe someone that you'd want to pay and commit to a huge way long term. But what's the end game here for Washington, Dave? I'm going kind of around in circles. Like, what's their path? Like, what are they? What are they thinking big picture here?
5: Yeah, this is a team that believes in the roster that they have, certainly with the talent, uh, with Christoph Sporzengis, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma. They recognize, the front office recognized that this team has been underachieving, certainly, if you if you just look at those names on paper. But they do believe in the roster they have, and they feel like they can figure out a way to make things click. So with Rui, that was really just one thing kind of on their to-do list, especially once uh, it appears or he indicated to say that, you know, he had something to do with with saying, find me a new home. Um, Certainly, the Wizards have have a lot bigger fish to fry, kind of as the deadline approaches. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Kyle Kuzma. Kristaps Porzingis owns a player option this summer and could become a free agent if he doesn't exercise that option. So they've got a lot of their core players who are kind of up in the air, along with Bradley Beal, who's going to make $46.7 million this season. So They've got a lot of juggling to do, especially if they want to uh, stay under the luxury tax.
2: If you are just jumping in the car today, Rui Hachimura traded to the Lakers uh, three second-round picks headlining what they're getting back uh, in the deal. Washington uh, also getting a player back in Kendrick Nunn. I mean, what should we expect as a role for Nunn, who did some good things before he got hurt in Miami, hadn't really been the same player since the injury?
5: Yeah, and just from looking at this trade, and I haven't really... It's been a bit busy day. Christoph Spurzingis also has an ankle sprain, we find out this morning. So, you know, we've been dealing with a lot on the Wizards' feet today. But just kind of looking at that trade, um, that's really two teams helping each other out. And Kendrick Nunn hasn't been kind of reached the levels that the Lakers have hoped. The Lakers were looking for size and, and athletic ability on the wing. They get that in Hachimura. We've seen the Wizards and, and Lakers help each other out in this way before. Remember that it's kind of the origin of that uh, Westbrook, Kyle Kuzma, Montreal Harrell, Trade a couple of years ago. These are these are two parties that like to dance together. So it it was kind of a swap. And the way that Washington uses second round picks, the way the general manager Tommy Shepard likes to use them, is they're just capital. They're uh, always kind of thrown into trades, and they just help grease wheels a lot. So I believe
4: the fastest hundred meter times ever recorded: number one, Usain Bolt, nine five eight; number two, Tyson Gay, nine six nine; number three was Abel Wallace. When I tried to say hi in November at Capital (laughs) One Arena. And she blazed Where's down metal? right past me. <laughs> third fastest 100 meters ever. I've never seen wow. her move that quickly. I said, hey, Ava. And, and this, the Doppler of my sound of high couldn't catch Ava because the sound of her buzzing past me was so <laughs> profound.
5: Do you That's know what someone happened. literally on Saturday at the last game, someone came up to me and was like, I, I just want to say, like you're walking so fast. So it's not just you. It's really, it's really on me.
4: Here's the thing. It felt especially me in that moment, but I believe you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Danny's <laughs> also a fast walker. So, if anyone could oh,
4: ever Come keep on, up, we
5: could have done something together. Yeah. What are you talking about?
4: Well, you
2: had a head start.
4: And you were I mean, you were flying. Mean, I don't know if it was downhill or wind aided, but you were I I've never seen one move that usually, fast. Too.
2: <laughs> Ava, thank you. Good catching up. Thanks, guys. On a busy day, no less. Rui Hachimura traded to the Lakers. Grant and Danny with you on the fan Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Yet again, going to be sitting at home watching the NFC championship game. Did not play well. Of the quarterbacks this weekend, in fact, you can make the case that he by far had the worst performance. I mean, Daniel Jones didn't play particularly well either, but in a game where his team was not in the game, felt less like a harm to the organization. So let's talk about Dak and his standing with the Cowboys next on D here on The Fan. Grant and Danny, welcoming you back. Monday, January 23rd, on the fan, discussing the NFL playoffs and some of your news of the day today coming your way. How about the rumor, this was a New York Times story, that Jeff Bezos is considering selling the Washington Post to better position himself to buy the Commanders. And you first say, well, why on earth would he have to sell the Post to do that? The theory is that he would then go to Dan Snyder, Danny, And say, hey, I know you hated that the Post helped to uh, take you down with their reporting. I don't own the paper anymore, so I'm not Washington Post Jeff Bezos. So now we're friends? I'm just Jeff Bezos. And Dan Snyder's going to say, well, I made you sell the paper, so I'm the winner of this negotiation, so now you can have the team. It doesn't make sense to me, and I don't really get how those dots connect, but that is something that's out there. That
4: is certainly out there, yeah. The the New York Post, the... uh... The headline is Jeff Bezos may sell Washington Post to buy Commanders investors say. So again, the way I've read this story and everything in between and there there are a couple little nuggets in here as well that this the group Bank of America that is in charge of trying to, you know, drum up business for this thing, to get as much money as possible, that's what they're hired to do. There's nothing wrong with that. They're desperate for, for Bezos to be involved because it's going to just raise the eyeline. If he's if he's there, even if he doesn't get the team, somebody else might go, well, if Bezos is involved, I better up my bid at the next round of of blind investments or, 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 or bids, whenever they come across. He didn't bid the first round. He hasn't done it yet. He hasn't entered the process at, at any point in time. So it feels like speculation. It feels like they're just so desperate to get him involved to get more money. That's how these stories read to me.
2: I got some stats from football this weekend I want to bounce off you here. Collection of things that I uh, jotted down just looking at uh, different sites over the last few days. During the 49ers' 12-game winning streak, you realize they've won 12 in a row, yeah? Is that right? Half of those games with Purdy a quarterback. But during their 12-game winning streak, the San Francisco defense and their coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, will be a head coach somewhere next year. It'll be criminal if he isn't. Uh, He deserves a job. Uh, They are allowing double-digit points In a single quarter, just three times in the entire stretch of 12 games. So that's 48 quarters they've given up 10 or more points three times. They've allowed zero points in 21 of the 48 quarters. They have completely Mm. dominated defensively. I I saw this. San Francisco is the first team in NFL history to win 12 straight games while having no more than one turnover in each of those games. Never happened before. 12 straight wins, and in all of those 12 wins, you turned it over zero or one times. And in fact, they only have six turnovers offensively, including the one on special teams, Ray-Ray McLeod's fumble on punt return. That counts as one of the six in this 12-game winning streak. Can you believe that? Yeah,
4: underrated moment there is when that, to me, is the mark of a great defense, right? You're put in a terrible spot right there. If Dallas goes in and scores a touchdown, different ballgame. You, you hold him right there to a field goal. I think that ends up being one of the big differences in the game. That's That, to me, is the mark of an excellent defense. When you're screwed over by something that's not your fault, not even your offense's fault, quite frankly. Just a bad decision, bad play by McLeod, who then, by the way, took the next kickoff, I think, you know 40, 50 yards or something like that, just to show you how explosive he is. But that was a bad play that he made. And you're put in a tough spot, and instead of you know weeping about it or going, oh, well, it's not really our fault if we go up this touchdown or whatever, You stiffen, you make a couple plays, you keep them out of the end zone. That was massive for them winning the game. Oh,
2: totally. Yeah, you thought Dallas might score that touchdown and swing the whole momentum, and they couldn't do it. So here's your NFC Championship game appearances by team since 1996. You want this? Yeah, give it to me. By team since 96. So we're talking about now closing in on almost 30 years. Packers eight times in the NFC title game. Eagles, seven times, counting this one that they're about to embark on. 49ers, seven times, including six in the last 12. The Rams, four NFC Championship games. Mm -hmm. The Vikings never won a Super Bowl, four NFC Championship games. Falcons, four times. They've been good and bad and good and bad. Up and down, yeah. Panthers, believe it or not. They've only been around since that 1996 season when this time clock starts. They've been to four NFC Championship games. No. Yeah. The DeLome and Steven Davis-led Panthers that got to the Super Bowl. Rivera obviously got to a Super Bowl. They've been four times, I guess man. I they did. That, that, that doesn't seem right to me. Saints, three times. Seahawks, three times. Mm-hmm. Giants, three times. Bucks three times. Yep. Cardinals, two times. Bears, two times. Again, this is how often teams have been to the NFC Championship game since 96. The Bears have twice? Bears have twice. They got to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman, I right, Gross, do remember. Man. The other year would have been... I don't remember that. Jay Cutler versus the Packers. Jay Cutler against Green Bay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that the game where you got hurt and you kind of sat there and... Uh, Just
4: couldn't be bothered to talk to the quarterback that like was in the game? Sucked on
2: a lemon the rest of the game. Who was is that? Was that that game? That terrible quarterback that came in. Oh, I'd love to pull his name right now. I don't have it. Uh, Caleb Haney.
4: No. Bay- that's are, bam. Are you sure that's not like who's a caddy for a pro golfer
2: right now? Uh, it might be another Haney, but
4: Caleb Haney was a let's old, go let's- 13 of 2435 yards that game. But that was the game, that was the, the that conference was the NFC championship? championship game. How about it? Two interceptions.
2: I'm sure <laughs> that's the least surprising.
4: he had more interceptions than conversations with Jay Cutler.
2: But I say all those appearances Packers, Eagles, 49ers, whatever. Uh huh. Three teams have not been to an NFC championship game since '96. The Cowboys. Good to see you down here with us. Hey, I didn't want him to leave us. And then the Commanders and the Lions. Yeah, and That's the, li- that's the list.
4: Theirs was 91 when they met in the NFC title game. Uh, uh, Detroit and Washington. Same with Washington. Yeah, they were there. That's um, Those
2: are the last time either team's been there.
4: Yeah, it's uh, an astounding drought, quite frankly. Everybody else has been good and bad and good and bad, except for Washington, which has just been really bad. And then the best they've been is mediocre.
2: At the risk of coming off like we are doing a hot take TV show on ESPN. I actually just wanted to talk about Dak for a second, if that's okay. What's wrong with me? I thought Dak Prescott was really bad yesterday, and two picks could have easily been four picks. I've kind of long thought, while he's pretty good, I'm not telling you he's bad, he does not get the flack that he should get. Guys like Cousins and Carr, who are similar to Dak, get killed all the time. And Dak Prescott really doesn't, and I've never really understood why. So I was actually talking with Ryan today, and we're sitting there, and I said, you know what? Where does Dak rank right now among quarterbacks if you made a list of QBs? And Ryan had this great idea. Brilliant. How about this? He said, why don't we make our list? Hey, here we go. So we sat there, and we did it completely separate of one another. Where did you have Dak on your list, by the way, Ryan? Because I put together a list. I didn't go 32 deep. I just stopped at number 20. And this is very inexact. Like, I might find out I completely forgot someone, to be honest with you. But just putting a list together, I, I named 20 quarterbacks. I had Dak 17th on my list. That's where I did as well. You had him at 17? Yep. 17. And we, we did not compare lists. Not compared you? lists. That's what we had.
4: That's of like right now, this minute. Yes. Like you, you got to go play a game tomorrow, and you're taking him 17th? Doesn't that sound insane? That sounds really low.
2: So it seems to me like it's just recency effect, and I need to do the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah, like
4: Ryan's got Jared Goff four times in his list somehow. I'm going to take I don't know. time
2: away, and then I'll tell you how I feel a month from now. Maybe in six weeks I can come back to the drawing board and do this again, and I'll have him a lot higher than 17th. But, Danny, right now, I have him 17th, and I want to read through my list and play a little Dak or Uh and and see where you would have him. Okay. I think most people would have him closer up to 12 or 13. Yeah, I'm going to have him higher than you guys, I think. I just think the, the interceptions, the bad passes, he's not mobile anymore. He can't run. Did you see the play where he left the pocket and got chased down by uh, a six hundred pound man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he cannot move.
4: The they had a couple design runs that the one that he where he got t- should have been a touchdown.
2: Yes, That right? was one of the ones. It just
4: it took so long. <laughs> it
2: was like he is so slow.
4: Now. And I can relate to that. It, it I, you know, I'm going first to third on um, on my softball team. I'm going. I'm going to get there. Now it's a really close play.
2: He looked like me leaving the pocket. Yeah. Just what are we doing here, Dak? All right. So here's my list. This is my best ranking. I haven't done this in a long time, but as of right now. And the criteria for the record, some guys are hurt, some aren't, whatever. It's just 2023 season. Contract, age, none of that matters. Who would you want to have as your quarterback one for the 2023 season, basically, as of this moment? Okay? Yep. Patrick Mahomes, number one on my list. Yep. Joe Burrow, number two. Yep. Josh Allen, number three. No problem. Justin Herbert, number four. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, number five. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, number six. Mm-hmm. Trevor yeah. Lawrence, number seven.
4: With you so far?
2: Feels high, right? But, but yeah, this uh, is what I came up with. That's like what just happened, yeah. Number eight, Tom Brady. Now, I think Brady is old. He is very old. Can't move at all. Needs a good line. There's a lot of like precursors with him. But... You give him time, he'll make all the throws still. And I know he wasn't particularly good this year and he might be washed, but I would have Brady eighth. Where are you at on that? There's
4: nobody right now that I'd go, He's defi- this is this is the interesting part. I think there's a drop-off where this is eye of the beholder. Because somebody might tell you Lamar belongs there. Someone might tell you that I don't know, they, they might love Tua after the season he just had. Or, or Geno Smith had a great year. Or they could love Dak. Or,
2: yeah, this is where after or, Lawrence, it started to be like 8 and 13. Harder. Like, the difference wasn't huge, if that yep. makes sense. 9, I've got Kirk Cousins. I've got Kirk ninth, 10th, I've got Lamar. Issues with Lamar include two straight years he couldn't finish the season. That's
4: my big concern with him. So,
2: injury. And also, I just need more out of a quarterback throwing the football. That's just... That's my own proclivity. I know that I'm very antiquated in that way. But he is rated 20th and 17th in in passing PFF grade the last two years. So I don't think it's egregious when I bake in the playmaking and all the other great things that come with him that I, I put him 10th. I know there will be people that put him higher than that. 11th, I got Stafford. And this is one where I have a little bit of concern over Him moving forward? Injury for me. Like, I would have had Stafford ahead of Brady, Kirk, and Lamar probably after the end of last year in the Super Bowl. I would have had him probably eight. Now he's 11. Uh, Kyler Murray, I have 12th. This is assuming, of course, no torn ACL, and he's just playing in 2023. You okay with Kyler there? I'm probably putting Dak there. You're putting Dak ahead of Kyler? Yeah, I would. Wow. Okay. Uh, I got Jared Goff, 13. Yep. That's fine. had an unbelievable year. But you're not taking golf over Dak? No, I would take Dak. Okay. Uh, I've got Derek Carr, 14. Still no Dak, by the way. Yeah, Dak by a lot. Over Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got Tua, 15. Still no Dak.
4: I'm a Tua guy. When he was healthy, there were some really good things happening. But he wasn't healthy. And that's a major concern. That's a a huge part of me for Stafford and for, for Tua. So I don't know. So that's I think that's probably uh, that averaging and all that, that's probably fine for me for Tua.
2: Sixteen, I got Daniel Jones. Still no Dak. Mm, that's we're starting to get a little hot here with the ticks. You think? It's starting to get a little warm. In a much better year than Dak in the year that we just watched. Much better? Yeah, much better. As a passer. Dak 13 picks in the last some, nine games.
4: Sometimes we think passing's important, other times we don't. I don't know. That's a little passing. Passing's that's tough important. That's tough for me.
2: Passing's important. Daniel Jones was really efficient. And then I got Dak 17. Ahead of 18 Geno, 19 Tannehill, 20 Russell Wilson. By the way, Russell Wilson. What a false Whoops. from <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. <laughs> Ryan's like, 20? You got him. I'm like, I'm, I'm being nice to him.
4: Yeah, that's being kind He's because like, no one else is any good. But that's, yeah, that's that's where he fell to. I would have had him sixth heading into this year. I got Dak seventeen. I think that's
2: too low. Okay, but, but it's not crazy is my point. Like I don't think there is a single thing on there. I, obviously, it's my list, so I'm going to feel this way. Mm-hmm. But like we could disagree on if Daniel Jones should be 16th ahead of him. It is a reasonable conversation right now to say who would you rather have next year? Daniel Jones, who runs all over the place and turned the ball had more games this year where he didn't turn the ball over than any other quarterback in the league, or Dak, who makes terrible decisions yeah. every single Listen, week.
4: The the way he played, where he had turnovers, it seemed like every week for the last two and a half months of the season. Hard to defend him at this point. Like,
2: he was not good down the stretch. Dak versus Tua. Again, I think it's... you. Like, if you said to me, and you did, you're like, I'll, I'll put him 12th. So you just move him up ahead of Kyler, Goff, Carr, Tua, whatever. The only guy he'd had a better season than, that You're all the guys you're moving him ahead of just had better years than him. Which does not mean they're better than him. I understand this, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, Goff? Well, Kyler got hurt. But Goff, Tua, Jones, like, those guys had... Geno Smith had a better year, right? Yeah,
4: Smith and Goff had infinitely better years than he
2: just did. No doubt. And and Goff's a guy, if you know, when you start to look at his career, he's had two spectacular years. Dak Prescott in his career has had two really good years. That's it. Now he's had some other solid seasons where he handed the ball off a bunch, threw 20 touchdowns, and, and was a caretaker. But he has had he has been in the league now since 2016. So this is seven years for Dak Prescott, and twice. In 2019, 30 touchdowns and 11 picks. In 2021, 37 and 10. He's been fantastic. Other than that, he's had some pretty decent seasons.
4: Another data point to consider is two of the last three years missed significant time with injury. I mean, I'm, I'm knocking Stafford down because of injury. not knocking Tua down because of injury. I mean, this is a guy that's missed, what, do the math real quick, uh, 15 games, 16 games over the last three seasons? That matters.
2: So you're going to have him, so, so but you just to be clear, you're sticking with him at 12 over I, all those other guys.
4: I'd probably throw him at 12, but again, I think you're in that spot where you could shuffle him up and and I the beholder there. I think the top six, really, When he's, Lawrence is with some upside, so, too.
2: So do me a favor. Yeah. I want to hear your list okay. next. I'll do it. Just to run through until you find Dak and whoever's right after him. Mm-hmm. But I want to open up the phones on this next, actually, too. And we got Jay Gruden coming up top of the hour. You can tweet me at Grant H. Paulson. I am admitting that this just feels ridiculous to have him 17th. It feels several spots too low. But then when I go through the exercise, it, it, it seems right to me. What do you guys make of it? Grant and Danny on the fan. Be worse than him. And I came up with 16 guys I'd rather have than him. Now, I will say this about Dak. I might, like, if you could build the perfect quarterback, I might make Dak's leadership the leadership chip that I put into my build a quarterback. I love Dak Prescott as a dude. Love him. Did you see the quotes from post game? What he said basically took the whole loss, put it on himself said he was bad, he'll respond, I gotta be better. Like, no one to me at that position has done a better job than him over the years of just wearing it. And he he is so gracious, and I, I just think he's a real... Seems like a good dude. Mensch. I love him as a dude. Really, really do. And by the way, for the record, like even though we're chopping this up and where do we rank him or having a conversation, it would be wonderful if he was the starting quarterback in Washington. And it'd be the best they've had in several years. I would thoroughly enjoy that. One of the best they've ever had. So... I'm not acting like he can't play, uh, but I came up with 16 guys. Now Danny said he would probably have them 12 or 13. So then you put your list together during the break. So what'd you come up with? Yeah,
4: so did the best I could here on the fly. Um, and this is obviously super subjective because it's it's my list. But sometimes I overweight certain things, and sometimes I'm sure I'm <laughs> underweighting them. Uh, we'll go through the first part fast because it's everyone's the same. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Rogers, uh, Hertz. So those are my so top we have the six. Same top six. Yeah. So seven. I kind of I went Brady. Not because, just because I feel like, you know, a better situation next year, next year he'll do it again. It's
2: funny because I said that to Darius, I said, I actually had Brady a couple spots lower and then moved him up. Like, we should probably not have Brady where it is, but it, it's just hard to to stick a stake through yeah.
4: him. You I, know? I said, oh, he's washed up when he left New England. 43 touchdowns last year, right. you know, when the offense was good. So, there we go. Uh, Lawrence with the upside. Nine, Lamar Jackson. Ten, Cousins. Dak at 11 for me. Tua twelve, Kyler Murray thirteen, Stafford I bumped down to fourteen because I don't think he's ever going to be the same again. I think those injuries uh, have give me added 11 up. Eleven
2: on real quick again. Uh,
4: Eleven Dak, twelve Tua, yeah. Thirteen Kyler Murray, fourteen Stafford, fifteen Geno, sixteen Goff, seventeen Carr. That's as far as I've gone. Okay.
2: Yeah. So here's what I think. The realization I've come to is, I think the maybe like the this the. the if you're doing tiers, I think it's six and then a gap right now with Hurts having made the last of the top tier. Yep. Then at seven, it gets kind of interesting, and that's your seven through 10 is kind of like a Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins kind of territory. Well, and you can even say cousin, like, you could even add more to that tier if you wanted to. But I think the early part of seven through 10 is a lot different than all the way to 17. But... When you get into the cousins Dak range, there's four or five guys that you can kind of pick out of a bag. Maybe Mm -hmm. I I do think cousins is better than Prescott, though. Like to me, if I could have one of those two guys, give me Kirk all day, and I think Kirk wins that game yesterday with with that defensive performance and and the the big returns they got. And like you know, you just you don't hear it talked about that way. The Stafford, if after the injury. You've moved down. Yeah. I've, what it, about if, he, if, if you knew he was 100% healthy and was going to ball out next year? He'd be a lot higher. He'd
4: probably be eighth for me. So he'd be way up into your he He'd top be way 10. up. I just don't think he's ever going to be the same. Uh, and and it may end up being too generous here. Or maybe too harsh. Just sort of depends on what he does.
2: Sneaky, by the way, we both have Gino in the top. I had him 18th. Where did you have him? Uh, 15th. How about that for Gino?
4: What a renaissance! What a rise from the ashes! So efficient. I mean, I know he wasn't the same the second half of the year when people figured it out a little bit, but still, a a really good passer, as good as there was in the NFC this year in terms of uh, completion percentage, yards per attempt. Just took care of the football. Was really good.
2: It's also incredible to see the fall off right after, right around fifteen, sixteen. Just the the the, the cliff. You know, all of a sudden, guys like Kenny Pickett, who have looked okay four times, are in the conversation. Yeah, some of these are prognostications, right? <laughs> right?
4: Where I'm going, I haven't seen Trevor Lawrence be awesome for a full year. I've seen him be really good of late, kind of fulfilling the promise. So I've given him kind of the benefit of the doubt. I've knocked guys down because I because you know similar because the last sample I saw from Tua wasn't that great as he as he was coming back from injury. But I saw the same amount of good from Tua this year that I saw from Lawrence, just happen at different times. So it's you know it, it's it feels imperfect and fluid.
2: He's Danny. I'm great. By the way, do you think all these videos of people breaking their TVs when their team gets eliminated are real? I do. You do? Yes. I think they're all fake. And I think people think it's so funny, and it's not. I hope this isn't real. You know, I I see two of these every weekend now where your team gets eliminated and you just break a nice flat screen. It seems very dumb. I have to imagine something was wrong with the TV initially. or (laughs) I I, I don't know what I think, but I think that it's not real. Jay Gruden joins us next on Grant and Danny. Here on The Fan, you'll want to hear what he had to say about this weekend's playoff games. He's always excellent. Can't wait to talk to him. Next on G&D.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive
2: Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.